Hello and welcome to the Revision Path Podcast, the showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. My name is Maurice Cherry, and before we get into this week's interview, I've got to mention that we just passed 25 interviews on Revision Path, which is a really good milestone. Thanks to all of you for listening and reading and supporting. I really appreciate it. Also, we have some new intro and outro music, which you're hearing right now. I think it was time to bring the podcast out of that smooth jazz age. Uh, with me this week is Crystal Flemister, a web and graphic designer in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, the audio was a little muffled. We did the interview over the phone and had a few dropped calls, but we still had a really good interview. You can find Crystal online at thecrystallization.com, and there will be more information about her in the show notes. So here we go. Uh, Crystal, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Hi, I'm Crystal, and I work as a graphic designer for CNN.com. I'm responsible for a lot of the ads that you see on the site. A lot of the in-house ads are actually designed by the marketing team, but our team is responsible for the paid ads that you see on the site. Now, I know that you've also had some, some agency experience as well. Is that right? I do have a little bit of agency experience. How was how was that? How was that sort of I guess compared and contrasted with working at at a big company like CNN? It's definitely different working on the client side versus uh-huh. corporate side. I think the client side. I feel like I mean obviously you have a lot more direction, a lot more accessibility to assets and things that you actually need to create advertising banners. You have a closer relationship with the client. And then when you're on the corporate side, you're trying to identify with the brand, but you're not really a brand ambassador. You don't work with any brand ambassadors. You're not very familiar with the client. So you're just trying to create what you think is something that they would be happy with. Okay. So it sounds like it's probably a little easier. Would, would that be a good way to put it? Like it's easier on the uh, working for the sort of the CNN side as opposed to the agency side. Because it sounds like with the agency, there's a lot more moving parts you have to deal with in terms of the brand ambassadors mm-hmm. and things like that that you're talking about. Yeah, I think working on, well, I mean, there's challenges to both. Working mm-hmm. on the agency side, I think, has a lot of, you know, crazy deadlines, a lot of late nights, especially the agency uh-huh. guy with that. But CNN is not like any other company if I work, I've worked for. CNN also has a lot of tight turnarounds just because it's a 24-hour news network. So you never know when something's going to break. You right. never know when we have to pull ads down. I mean, CNN can be pretty, I think it's similar to the agency. Okay. And, and for those listening, actually, Crystal and I uh, have both worked in a, in a production-based environment. We both used to work for AT&T Yellow Pages like a million years ago, right? <laughs> which is like which is like a totally different experience, I think, than probably that even working like, at an agency. That's like the least stressed job ever. <laughs> working at 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 and T was. Yeah, I think AT and T was a lot easier day to day than working for CNN, just because I feel like AT and T has processes in place, and maybe it's just my uh-huh. department because I'm the first designer. In my department, there's not uh-huh. a lot of process and procedure in place, and it's kind of difficult. It can be challenging to implement and rally a team around understanding why certain things need to be in place. And AT&T was just you. all laid out and set up, and everyone understood and knew what you were doing. Gotcha. I gotcha. So let's switch gears a little bit here. Uh, when I was doing research for this interview, one of the things that 
I ran across some of your work that you did for PwC Media. And one of the things that you had that really <laughs> sort of stood out to me is that you said that you were one of the first online pioneers oh, to display no. fashion trends in Atlanta. Tell me a little bit about how you sort of blazed that trail. I'm still doing it. I'm actually getting back into it right now. I think I kind of start working as a graphic designer a few years ago to kind of suppress that dream, you know, because my mom is like, you need to work some corporate job for somebody and get retirement and all sort of stuff. She's like born in the 50s, so she doesn't understand like wanting to do your own thing. So um, right. I, I kind of did that for a couple of years, and it's not working for me as far as, like, fulfillment and happiness. So I'm actually, like, getting back into that right now. But it's going to be a little different than it was before. Before, it was just a blog, which in 2007, no one had a blog. It was kind of a big deal. It was exciting. It was energetic. We had a pretty amazing following. And I learned a lot from my advertising courses at the Art Institute. And um, mm -hmm. I was able to kind of figure out how to market people and how to rally people and get them excited about a brand. And we went to a lot of parties and did a lot of promotion and a lot of graffiti and, I mean, a lot of things. And people really, really supported what we were doing. It was all about, I think the important thing for us is that it was all about celebration of people. It wasn't about, it wasn't about, it wasn't really about us. It was about us wanting to, I guess, celebrate and showcase, like, the individual in the city. And people really liked that. They really liked getting the, what's the right word, getting the, I don't want to say notoriety, but love, you know, like, just getting getting the love. Right, right. I got you. Okay. So, I mean, we I, just I, I guess... stickers, like, to people just to say, like, hey, this is a sticker. You're amazing. Where is uh, it? Oh, Nice. So, so sort of going back a little bit, because you, you mentioned the Art Institute of Atlanta, and I know that there's a lot of people that we get from the site, and they sort of are, are interested in different kind of educational programs in terms of, I guess, mm. learning design, or even, I guess, learning the basics of, of whether or not this is something they want to go into. How was your time at, at Art Institute of Atlanta? Oh, my God. So the Art Institute of Atlanta, I, 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 I often, like, go back and forth, like, do I recommend it? Do I not recommend it? The only reason why I wouldn't <laughs> recommend it, seriously, the only reason why I wouldn't recommend it is because of the cost. Um, uh -huh. I owe, I borrowed $80,000 to attend. It's 20 a year. And at the end wow. of that, after interest, that's $100,000 that I owe. And that's like a $1,200 payment a month. And nobody's going to tell you that. Everyone's going to tell you that right. they deferred or that they did something else. And guess what? You can defer, but you're still going to have to pay that back. And if you defer, it's going to be even more. And your payments are going to be even higher than mine are. And my payments are actually, like, the minimum. Like, if you go to collections, like, you have to pay 1% a month, and 1% of 100000 is 1000 So the so Art Institute is expensive, and SCAD is expensive, too. What I will say is the difference between, I think, going to an art school versus going to, like, a public school is I was required to have a portfolio to graduate. 
And I was required uh-huh. to have an internship to graduate. And I know a lot of kids that are coming out of school right now, and they don't have any professional affiliations or contacts, or like they haven't um, worked for a company, so they don't know anyone. I mean, really, mm-hmm. it's all about who you know when you're trying to get a job. And even, like, the staff at the Art Institute, like, how much better can it – how much better can you get than having a teacher that – is the department chair or the co-chair of the ad club teaching you an ad class. Like, you're you're paying for, you know, industry professionals to teach you, not like someone that has, like, no experience. Like, they have to have tons of years of experience to be a teacher there in addition to education. So, I don't know. I don't know if I would have had the same experience had I gone somewhere else. Like, I think it was really cool that, my teachers were who they were in the industry and were able to take us inside of ad agencies based on their relationships with the industry and take us to ad club meetings and have our work shown at the Addies and, you know, just things like that that I'm not sure if that would have been, um, if we would have had the same opportunity or experience at another school. Mm-hmm. I'm just not sure. I don't, I don't think so. Not from what I've, what I've heard. Well, no, I think it's I think it's interesting you mentioned that it's uh, that going to an art school, whether it's you know art institute or, or SCAD or even a similar type of school, is that it's it's a balance. Like yes, it's good because of the connections and the faculty and the curriculum, but it's also expensive. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's it's just good to know. I think going into it for anyone, sort of that's what you have to weigh. I think that's with college in general, but particularly for art schools, that's sort of mm-hmm. the balance that you have to weigh. You get a lot of good stuff, but it ain't cheap to get it so it's I, not I completely, and you got to think about like that. how much are you going to make too like when you come out how much are you going to make can you afford you know i mean i'm sure that they do have in base repayment plans um so if you're making mm-hmm. nothing yeah you can probably get away with like having your payments but not forever you know and you have to really right. figure out am i going to make money as a graphic designer or whatever major you choose right and so I guess from advertising, you sort of, like you said, you kind of transition into doing design. But, but it sounds like now you're thinking of kind of transitioning back out and doing something else. Is that, is that right? You know what's crazy is that I was working at AT&T as a graphic designer because I was taking classes at the Art Institute for advertising, mm-hmm. which part of the curriculum is design. You have to take a lot of graphic design classes. And right. a friend of mine mentioned that they had an opening at, at AT&T for graphic design position, which I had never even thought about being a graphic designer. I didn't think I would be able to pass a design test. Somehow I did. I got the job, and I was a graphic designer. I've been a graphic designer since then. It definitely wasn't planned, but I like it. I mean, I think it's something, especially if you're trying to be in an advertising role, I think there's something competitive and something to be said about someone that can speak ads, but with design experience, you know, so you know, you really, really do know when when you're working with a graphic design team um, what they need and what their requirements are and what some of their challenges are. Right. It, it kind of makes it easier because you can you can speak both languages, like you said. Yeah, totally. Okay. Now, before we did the interview, uh, as we were sort of trying to schedule it, you were saying that you had just came back from Japan. How was that? Oh, my God. I Yes, I went to Japan for a couple of weeks. It was the most amazing experience ever, aside from getting lost. But 
Japan was awesome. It was awesome. I mean, the flight was, like, really long, 13 oh. hours, nonstop. But wow. I recommend it. I mean, for me personally, like, whenever I look at fashion, which is what I'm inspired by, it's always mm-hmm. out of Japan. Like, it's never out of Europe. It's never out of South America. Everything that I'm drawn to is always out of Japan. So I just had to go, man. Like, I felt like I needed the inspiration. I needed the motivation. So I just went. Where where, uh, where did you go in Japan? So I we were in – I have a friend that lives there. And I pretty much spent all or most of them in Tokyo. And my favorite, favorite area was Harajuku, which I, before going, just thought, you know, like most people, that Harajuku is just like a type of person, like a type of girl, a type of fashion. But really, Uh it's like town. (laughs) It's a shopping area. There's food there. There's all kinds of style there. There's goth and there's, you know, the girls that dress like the dolls. Um, There's like hipsters. I mean, it's everything. Did you get a chance to go to Shibuya? I did. I did. The busiest intersection in the world. I did. Uh-huh. Shibuya <laughs> was, like, really cool. A lot of, you know, street fashion pictures that I took of people. Um, a lot of, a lot of like, dope street fashion out there. About the same as Harajuku, but Shibuya didn't have um, the shopping that I was interested in. So I didn't spend uh-huh. as much time there as I did in Harajuku, but Shibuya is definitely on my favorite place while I'm there with. Oh, sounds nice. Sounds like you really enjoyed it. You were there for a few weeks, and it, like you said, it sort of inspired you. So that's okay. So tell me a little bit about how you keep motivated and inspired. It sounds like travel is is part of that. Travel is definitely a big part of that for me. I don't know. I can't just, you know, look at things in the paper or on the Internet. Like, I have to kind of go and experience it for myself. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's an amazing thing. If you can do it, you should. It's crazy because, like, even that flight to Japan is expensive. And, you know, people are like, oh, I wish I could go here or go there. And I And then I see them, like, doing crazy things with their money, like, you know, income tax time, and they're, like, shopping at the mall. I'm like, okay, you could be in Japan, like, right now with me, but you're uh-huh. in the mall. So, I mean, <laughs> yes. I mean, I think, <laughs> I think everybody should, you know, experience going somewhere. Go somewhere. I, I mean, it doesn't even have to be out of the country. Just go anywhere. I hear you. Uh, have you had any sort of uh, mentors that have kind of helped you along the way? I know you, you mentioned, like, some of your professors when you were at, the Art Institute that sort of helped you along. Was there anyone else that kind of gave you that push into, into what you're doing now? I have, on the creative side, not so much. I have a lot of other personal life and advertising mentors. But, you know, I surround myself with a lot of creative people. A lot of my friends happen to be, like, graphic designers and web designers and um editors, video editors, and so they're always working on creative projects and pitches to clients, and it's definitely um, very motivating just to have a creative circle, and I'm sure a lot of graphic designers have creative circles, you know, because we're all working together all the time. Are you uh, outside, I guess, outside of the circle that you're, you know, you're talking about, 
Are you involved kind of in the local design community or advertising community here in Atlanta? I should be a lot more involved than I am, and it's actually like a goal of mine for this year to get more active. Uh I would love to be more active in ad club and more active in the graphic design professional groups here, but I'm just not. I think working at CNN where it's just so deadline-driven and it really is like fast-paced and I have no idea what I'm working on until, I don't know, until it happens. So a lot of times, like today, I mean, I was there until about six o'clock, which isn't, it's not considerably late, but I've been there till seven o'clock before and eight o'clock. And, and so it's just, you know, becomes very, it can be very exhausting. Um, Mm -hmm. And you just want to not have another commitment or not have something else to work on. And especially with me relaunching the other site, Pistol Whip Cream, I just don't have as much time as I would like to have. Okay. What was the site you mentioned? You said crystal whipped cream? Pistol, like a gun. Pistol. Pistol, <laughs> pistol. gotcha. Yep. That's what the PWC is for. That's pistol. Ah, okay. Pistol uh-huh. Gotcha. Okay. So you're going to be relaunching that soon, it sounds like. Yes. There is a, um, there's a page up right now. The site is up right now. But there's definitely more being built to that page. So there's more to mm-hmm. come. Cool. That sounds like a really uh, interesting kind of personal project. Oh, my God. It's so well, not really a project. It's just something <laughs> that's going to be what you want to do. Like, that's yeah. it's something you're yeah. sort of trying to turn into a business almost, right? Yeah. This will be um, paying the bills, hopefully, in a couple of years. Um, nice. 100%. Yeah. Was was creativity a big part of your childhood? Um, I think so. My father was very, very like much into arts and music, and um, he played the piano and and he sang. And I was in band. My mom could can draw really well. My sister doesn't believe that she can draw, but she can draw pretty good too. Mm-hmm. I'm actually the one that can't draw. But I'm the graphic designer, so <laughs> that really turned out kind of weird. But yeah, there's a lot of there was a lot of creativity that kind of surrounded us growing up. Okay, so it sounds like outside of design, and we sort of touched on this earlier as well. If you weren't doing this, you'd be doing fashion. Is that sort of where you see yourself continuing, like within the next maybe five years or so? For sure, definitely, definitely, um, that has to happen. Because really, I just feel like if you have a natural born ability to be able to do anything, that's what you should be doing. And I think mm-hmm. for me, I picked the advertising program because at the time, the fashion program at the Art Institute was really new. And uh-huh. it just didn't seem like any any challenge at all. And I wanted to learn something, and I just didn't think I could learn anything in that program at the time. And the advertising program is kind of like universal in that you could advertise, everybody advertises, Nike advertises, Victoria's Secret, you know, advertises BMW. You can work anywhere if you um, if you know advertising. So I just kind of felt like, especially like at the time, I that's when I started the pistol whipped cream. And so it was very helpful for me to learn all of those tools um, so that I could apply it to what I was doing. Have you been to any sort of design conferences or fashion conferences, things like that? I am hopefully, like cross my fingers, 
going to go to Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week this year. Oh, nice. I, yeah, I um, <clears throat> I go to Art Basel. I go to a lot of art stuff, honestly. Um, I don't go to a lot mm-hmm. of design conferences just because, like, I've always been more interested in the art side. I've always been more interested in the fashion side, gallery uh-huh. openings, things like that. I go to, even, you know, like when I'm in New York, I go to the Mets, I go to MoMA and Guggenheim. So I'm really, really, really fascinated by art and just by seeing it live. I was going to say, I guess that sort of then kind of can trickle down into the other creative things that you're doing, right? So it's it's really yeah. just more of, of like filling this creative well uh, as opposed to really focusing on one specific, like, design kind of thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, and I have my subscriptions to design magazines, you know, just to make sure like I'm up on layout and things like that. But really, I really, really, really like looking at, I really like going to museums and looking at art. I went to the Frida Kahlo exhibit. That was really amazing. I try to go like, you know, on, they have jazz Fridays once a month. And Mm -hmm. um, the museum is open, like, pretty late on those nights. Well, pretty late for the museum. I think it's about 10 o'clock, maybe, that they stay open till. Yeah. And it's cool because, you know, you can, like, hear your jazz. They also have drawing in the gallery, so you can take a couple of friends and draw. And I can't draw, but everyone thinks I can. But So they're like, I don't want to (laughs) draw with you. But (laughs) I forced them to, and we all draw. And it's funny kind of see what everyone comes up with. But, yes, the High Museum is amazing. It's pretty affordable. Yes, and you can – I know they also have – I think it's once a month. I think it's every first Saturday they have it. It's free to go for Fulton County residents. You just have to show, like, a driver's license or a bill bill or something, and you can go and attend and everything. So the arts here, I think here in Atlanta, the arts are – are really accessible. I don't know if a lot of people really know that or or consider that, but the arts here are, are really accessible. I don't. It's probably the same way that in cities too, but here it, it really seems to be uh, something that you can interact with on a, on a more personal level, and that's increased as there as there have been things here like flux. I don't know if you've seen like when oh they have the, my God. the the light exhibits and stuff. That is yeah. heaven. Flux is like heaven. That's what heaven looks like. <laughs> Flux is amazing. I love Flux. I, like, wait all year for it. Like, a couple of years ago, I had a friend come in town for her birthday, and she wanted to do this dinner. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to, like, skip her dinner because I have to go to Flux. Oh, she understands. <laughs> yes, it's that serious. What uh, What music are you listening to these days? Oh, my God. Um, Okay, so I'm, like, really behind when it comes to music. (laughs) Just because if I don't have, like, if I have to go surfing the Internet for anything, it's not going to happen because I'm already doing so much of that for other reasons. So a lot of Mm -hmm. the extra things just got get left out. But um, I am listening to Yeezus because I am, like, a huge fan of Kanye West, like, huge. Like, anything that he touches is golden to me. And, Uh um... And no one can, like, really, there's nothing anyone can say to change my mind. <laughs> I feel, like, personally connected to him for some reason. Like, he's, like, a cousin or something or a brother. Like, he's just, like, golden to me. <laughs> but that's that's what I'm listening to right now. Love it. Love it, love it. Okay, so just to wrap things up, 
Uh, where can our readers find you online? You can find me um, graphic design and advertising wise. The portfolio is at www.thecrystallization.com. If you want to find out about anything related to Pistol Whip Cream Street Fashion here in Atlanta, it's also going to be a retail component to that. And that's going to be at um, www.thepistol, um, like the gun, thepistolwhippedcream.com. That's also the Instagram name. It's going to be at the Pistol with Cream on Instagram. And my personal account on Instagram is at Crystal Pistol, which is C-R-I-S-T-A-L-L-E, Pistol, P-I-S-T-O-L. All right. Sounds good. Well, Crystal, thank you again so much for taking time out of your day to do this interview. I really appreciate it, and I think that the audience will appreciate it as well. Totally, totally welcome. And that's it for this week's podcast. Thanks to Crystal Flemister and thanks to you for listening. Check us out at revisionpath.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Just search for Revision Path. Revision Path is a 318 media project. If you like what we're doing with these podcasts, then you can help sponsor the show. Contact information will be located in the show notes. Until next time, thanks again for listening.